0: Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nard War, the Human Surveyette radio show. You just heard right there, brand new from Needles and Pins. I heart. Your Drugs. And Needles and Pins will be playing in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada to help celebrate the release of their debut LP, which I Heart Your Drugs is from tomorrow night, Saturday, May the 26th at the Astoria scumbas presents the needles and pins LP release party with the jolts and Korean gut that's needles and pins also known as noodles and pans and snorkels and fins needles and pins needles pins tomorrow night at at the Astoria with the Jolts and Korean Gut Nest release party for twelve thirty-four, the debut LP by Needles and Pins. And thanks so much for sending that in, Tony from Needles and Pins. I heart your drugs. Tomorrow night, check them out at the Astoria in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Today on an to Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with from Compton, California, rapper. Kendrick Lamar. And right now also an interview with a gentleman that's doing something tonight to begin with on to Human Survey Radio Show. Before we get the Kendrick Lamar, we have a caller joining us right now. And hello, caller. Are you there? I am. Who are
1: you? I am William Jans.
0: William Jans, what are you doing tonight and tomorrow?
1: No, not tomorrow. Tonight, (laughs) next Friday, and the Friday after, I'm doing live multimedia extravaganza of uh, my Off the Wall in China is my brand new show that's going to be happening tonight, next Friday. And then uh, I'm doing the Tanzania one as well.
0: Off the Wall in China, a crazy trip through the Philippines and China?
1: Indeed, including crucifixions and sleeping on the Great Wall and all sorts of things you may not want to try yourself.
0: And this is happening tonight, and this is the punkest thing ever that's happening tonight, Does ever happen on a Friday night in Vancouver. <laughs> Prince of Wales School, you're going into, you're taking it to the schools, right?
1: Well, I've been lucky with the premieres. I kind of need big halls usually, and there are not that many big theatres out anymore, so that's an 800-seater, and uh, John Oliver, which is equally punk, <laughs> is, uh, is 740 some odds. So, yeah,
0: off the wall in China, a crazy trip through the Philippines and China, including sleeping on the Great Wall, treacherous hikes and crucifixions. That's Friday night tonight at Prince of Wales School at 8 p.m. and next Friday at John Oliver School. The high school tour continues. This is William Jan's off the wall in China. And then on June 8th coming up, you got tales from Tanzania. Indeed. Another high school, back to John Oliver <laughs> School. William Jans, you are a photographer. I first met you where did I first meet you actually I think I first met you because I was a fan and I kind of can't believe I'm mentioning this of the band The Cure and you <laughs> took photos of The Cure didn't you I
1: think that's, that's right. what yeah. brought I, you I, to I don't my know. Attention. I think we might have even met at CITR I think I was a fan of yours listening to your show and I think I guess I phoned in one day and, and won something and I came out there and you handed me some CDs I met you in person and, and yeah you were, you were a celebrity I got to meet you in person I well, haven't even have been wearing a toque for all I can recall.
0: Well, William Jens, I think that's why I became interested in all the work that you've been doing because you said, William Johns, I won this prize, and I remembered you took that photo of Robert Smith of The Cure. Could you explain about that? I was like, wow, you took one of these great photos of The Cure.
1: Well, yeah, I probably should say that uh, for quite a few years, I had the great fortune of photographing a lot of bands and a lot of weird places sometimes, which is great fun, and The Cure one, I think, I both, I think, shot the gig, and then I also shot uh, an in-store thing they were doing, and Robert Smith was really, oh, yeah, I definitely shot the gig. I remember the backstage pictures now, too. But um, it was Odyssey Imports where... Uh uh, he, he was kind of to pose and did this little thing of like pushing his cheeks up like he was forcing a smile and it was quite a fun little shot and I think Discorder ran it at the time and um, yes it
0: was a cover of Discorder magazine so like wow I'm meeting the photographer that took <laughs> a photo of Robert Smith at and, Odyssey Records at an in-store
1: and a matter of fact at the time um, oh my god his name is going to elude me at the moment but the guy who went on quite shortly after to start Network Records was the store manager at the time too um, you'll remember his name Terry McBride. Terry McBride McBride, yes. And William
0: Jans, also, you began taking photos of Santa. This is where this all began, didn't it?
1: (laughs) Well, more coordinating that, but yes, I I do know Santa on a personal level. You started in Guilford Mall? Yeah, yeah, way, way back, right, yeah, that is right, and it you know, started small and grew, I think eventually we had a staff of like 25 people kind of coordinating all these little visits with Santa, it's it's definitely not high glam, but it was actually quite fun, and uh, yeah, you get to, you learn a lot as a photographer, I mean, even, like I said, I wasn't hands-on shooting it for, for very much, maybe the first year or so, but you learn a ton about taking pictures and people who aren't paying attention, which is a great skill to learn as a photographer. So
0: you take Santa, and then you take a little bit of the Smith and the Cure together, Together, and it puts all of it together in a giant bin. Smith And it, and it becomes. Smith Anticure. A, a what? Smith Anticure. Yes, there we go. Ba boom. And it becomes off the wall in China. <laughs> a crazy trip through the Philippines and China that you're going to be putting together. This great multimedia presentation. Could you explain the setup, William Jans, of what's happening tonight and next week? What exactly is the setup? Can you explain the delivery? It's, like it's a quite live interesting. Movie?
1: Um, so it's it's like, you know, projecting on a big screen, but there's stills and videos and storytelling of what happens on my, well, in this case, these two trips, and I tend to get into, I guess, a bit more trouble than some, so the stories end up being a bit more absurd, and I also have a bit of an eye that, uh, for things I find silly or amusing or very different and get to, to share that, but I also, probably the, the kind of goofiest thing, but it's become commonplace for, for doing these. I've been doing these for quite a few years, but it's only every... Every three years, I go overseas, do one of these whacked-out trips. So, like, I, I was with Headhunters before and went most of the way up Everest and all that kind of stuff. And anyway, the, the, I bring back costumes of the regions where appropriate. Like, when I lived with the Maasai, I kind of dressed like them. It's very appropriate to do, even though it sounds a bit silly. Uh, and so I wear that on stage. And this time, I got a full Mao suit that I brought back, which I did not wear in China. But it's very popular. And the funny thing is, too, that there's um, some construction going on across the street here. And I was chatting kind of practicing some Mandarin with a guy who's doing some drywall there. And I told him I had the suit and brought him in, and he says, can I try it on? And he, he wouldn't take it off for like 15 minutes. So I, I'm, I'm proud to say the Mao suit is still very popular in China.
0: Great as well with all the different video that you have and the slides and in the costumes all together. It comes really together as a nice presentation, doesn't it, William? When you've seen one, right? I have actually seen one. I can't remember what I saw, but it was a great (laughs) presentation. However,
1: if You saw I, the South American one with uh, the Amazon and swimming in the Amazon, all the crazy things, yeah.
0: However, if I come out tonight to go see Off the Wall in China, there'll be some interesting things happening tonight, Friday, May the 25th at Prince of Wales, and that's at 8 p.m. William off the wall in China, some strange things happen to you in general, don't they, William Jans? Could you please explain, like, the photo lab thingy that happened to you years ago to this China couch surfing thing that happened to you. <laughs> coincidences. <laughs> I've like, photo- these- my share
1: of almost impossible, well not almost, utterly impossible coincidences and about 20 of them have happened to me and the first one you're referring to is probably still, I think, the wildest one that I've heard and, and the funny thing was I even had it told back to me once at a party by a Total stranger, and I was able to hear the story and say, yeah, that was me, and he was like, no, 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 I like, no, it really was, and that was where I was overseas and uh, kind of participating in what was the Thai New Year's Festival where they splashed water on people, and uh, I came back, and I was working at a photo lab in Vancouver a year and a half later, and I was processing film, as I always would, and occasionally I'd see places. I'd been before, I tell co-workers this time around, I see pictures of this uh, festival, which I thought was this year's festival, the water splashing festival, and tell a few co-workers, hey, I, you know, I was at something like this, and as I'm processing them, the prints got wrinkled, so I had to flip the prints over, look at the corrections on the back, and reprint them, and while doing so, found three pictures taken of me, without my knowledge, halfway around the world, a year and a half earlier, which is pretty freaking impossible odds, and even if it went through any of the other staff, they wouldn't have seen it, if the Prince didn't get wrinkled, I wouldn't have seen it and I now have one of those pictures on my wall and that's, that's probably my weirdest story, but I've got two other ones that happened in this trip. One I'll explain in the show because it's, it's just, it involves four countries in a coincidence uh, but the trippy one that the, really I think uh, a lot of people have taken interest in it was the idea of trying to do some couch surfing, which is that website where you can uh, link, link up with people and say, hey basically, can I crash on your floor or something like that and I joined in the Philippines and the only city I thought I could pull this off in was called Xi'an in China, population 8.23 million people. And um, so I put a note of this woman's name on my computer thinking I should send a note, but I don't know what to say right now. And time ticked on. Eventually, I was three hours from the, the city and was thinking of sending a note. And I thought, yeah, it's just rude to ask three hours before you arrive of, hey, can I sleep on your sofa? So I didn't bother. Ends up, I took the bus in, got off at the, they dumped you at the train station area, which is utter mayhem, super populated and, and busy. And there's a McDonald's across the street called Maidao Lao, is what they call it there. And that is a great place to get free water. So I go in, get my free water, and I hear English voices, which you also don't hear often in China. So I wander over to these three total strangers with my little map book. And I'm, I'm just saying, hey, I just arrived. Can you any trouble you to tell me which way is north? And as they're giving me directions, I kind of look at the one woman. And I said, eh, this might sound strange, but you're not Rachel Mara, are you? And she says, yes. It was indeed the very woman that I was considering emailing. And so the odds of that are one in 8.23 million. So I think I won my little lottery there. And, of course, I did have to connect up with her and sleep on the floor. And it's all part of the show and the stories.
0: Just some of the little tidbits from off the wall in China.
1: (laughs) And far-flung Philippines.
0: At the Prince of Wales High School Theater, 8 p.m. In China, the
1: Great Wall, sleeping on it. You actually slept on the Great Wall? Yeah, I planned to do that for a while. There's two main reasons I went to China this time. Um, one was this really treacherous hike that's kind of famous in pictures. People might know it, uh, but they maybe not, don't know it's in China. It's this cliff face that's uh, got two by fours attached to it. That was the big draw for me, and I had planned for quite a while. I thought if I can get to see the wall, that'd be cool, but if I can sleep on it, that'd be even, even better. So I really winged it, and uh, I mean, it was a population in Beijing is massive, and and so it really was winging it, trying to get there on my own by bus, but I did manage to pull it off, got there, and it was just after, well, a downpour when I arrived, so nobody else was probably even considering going there, and I ended up having the entire section of this wall, about 21 kilometers, that got really pretty dangerous, but incredibly cool, had that by myself, and managed to both sleep on it and have a hell of an adventure getting up, it. yeah, it's uh, it's hard to explain, but it was one of the few uh, hikes and quotes I'd d- explain where it actually got harder and steeper with every step as I went further and further, and eventually being actual an, an underhang, a certain area where it was so steep and it had rotted away that it was hanging over top of me, and I had to find a way around, and man, it was unbelievable.
0: William Jans, when you go to China, do you still bring your secret weapon? What's your secret weapon? <laughs> I have
1: no idea. What is my secret, secret weapon? weapon a picture, isn't it? Oh, oh. Um, wow, that's funny. Uh, you're talking about... Man, you've got a really good memory for this stuff. Um... Yeah, no, I didn't bring it this time. I, I've had the good fortune, I both was the Dalai Lama's photographer for when he was here one time, so I've got a photo of me and he, but that does not go over well in China, so I, no, I didn't really do much with that at all, but I actually have had the interesting experience of photographing some of the big wigs in China before, too, with a corporate client that I work with a lot, and one was number two in China at the time, and one was number seven, who, this number seven guy's gone on to be the guy who kind of coordinated all the Beijing Olympics, and yes, I did bring that photo this time, and I I didn't really do much with it except uh, in Wang Fujing, which is the area where you can eat crazy meats that I'll tell you about in a sec if you want. But I actually pulled it out there to show somebody, and they're like, whoa! uh, Because, yeah, he's an important guy. But it doesn't really have much of an effect, I think. uh, When I first brought that into China, when I was doing the Tibet trip... Well, maybe you can explain
0: a picture of you and... This Chinese president guy, and when you get in trouble, you flash it, and then you're immediately not in trouble. No,
1: no, no. See, that was what I thought it might work like. But as it turns out, the very first time I ever showed it was crossing the border into China from Laos. And I thought, hey, this would be kind of cool. But the problem was they saw this picture and were like panicking, thinking, oh, my gosh, how important is this? This law, this white guy, like, what do we need to do? Who do we call? And I was thinking, no, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. I just kind of thought they might kind of cut me a bit more courtesy or be nicer or let me through quicker. But everything's very bureaucratic and officious there. So it would have opened up more problems. Like they thought, oh, you know, who do we call? It was like nobody, nobody. So I really didn't show it much more except to just joke you public on the street.
0: You were drinking blood and having some spinal cord action like death metal guys, weren't you?
1: Well, I don't know if death metal guys are known for eating spinal cord, but yeah, I ate some spinal cord. It was horrible. That was with the Maasai. And, um, yeah, they actually killed a goat for me, which is a, quite the honor, but it's a challenging experience because it all happens right in front of you. And... Uh, yeah, barbecued it up, and, and the spinal cord originally I actually wasn't supposed to be eating because that is the best part, and it's saved for the elders. And so the warriors don't get to eat this stuff, but the next morning they kindly offered me some of this stuff, let's say, and I didn't really know at the time until I put all the pieces together that it was this spinal cord stewed and fat and froth all night that was not exactly... I mean, Cheerios for breakfast would have been better for me, but you kind of take what you can get.
0: William Jones photographer, leader of Off the Wall in China tonight at the Prince of Wales School and next Friday at John Oliver's School drinking blood and also drinking balut.
1: Yeah, I uh, I tried it. Uh, that's balut is the eggs that are very popular in the Philippines, especially amongst women, that are, I mean, they look like our normal eggs, we're accustomed to eating, but it's basically boiled four days prior to hatching, so it's mostly a formed duck. It's not like the egg yolk and the white anymore, it's a, a duck, and what... Oh, it's so funny when you meet women and they're saying, Oh, I love eating balut because I can feel the, the claws tickle my throat as they go down. Oh, I taste the feathers. Oh, oh, that's the beak and, and they love it and I figured, okay, it's part and parcel, part of being there and part of, you know, sharing the experiences, I better I better try this thing and I did, but foolishly I tried it just before taking what I thought was gonna be an overnight, like eleven hour bus, but turned out to be like an eighteen to twenty hour bus. And I I think I must have got a bad one because they did so much there it can't be Bad or unhealthy, but I must have either reacted with my system or, or I got a bad one. And oh boy, I just—it was a—it ma- was not a pleasant experience on the bus.
0: So, William Jantz, you put on these great interactive slideshows, video shows, talks, etc., and then you travel... Multimedia the,
1: extravaganzas. Yes,
0: and you travel to places where they do crucifixions for fun. Are you the only one documenting this? What do the people getting crucified think of you pointing the camera oh. at them getting crucified? And could you explain about that?
1: There, there is a massive throng of media from around the world to go to cover that, so I'm definitely not the only one. And then the locals love it, too. And as much as it might sound... You know, shocking and, and garish, which it kind of is. It's still actually really fun and optimistic and uh, I mean one of the weirdest things actually was standing there watching people getting nailed to crosses and hearing ice cream music right behind me from the person who's selling popsicles, you know, the dinkling, link link clinkling and that's just really hard on your senses, but it's a totally fun event, kids are out there, you can even see some of the kids taking a, uh, a turn at whipping people's backs, so it's not just people getting crucified, there's guys who are doing self-flagellation where they walk and they whip their back till it bleeds, so, yeah, I mean, it sounds, it is kind of shocking, but it's this family fun festival, and uh, it's a very much a head-scratcher, because you figure it would be really, really intense, but people are laughing and giggling, and, and I, as I kind of say in the show, too, you can buy square Squarepants balloons while watching people getting crucified and licking a popsicle.
0: And where specifically was this, and what's their website?
1: <laughs> it's uh, two hours north of Manila, and it's called San Fernando Pampagna. It's famous for that, and it's called the... Um, oh, I said... Um, It's the Lenten ritual they do there. There probably is a website for it, but uh, I'm sure a lot of the press has kind of built that up. But, uh, yeah, there was media from all around the world shooting. And, actually, it's funny. I just found out yesterday the one picture I shot of that, too. The courier uh, ran that, uh, so I think it's still out there if people are looking around. Or, I mean, the website, too, has got a lot of stuff. So if
0: somebody goes to that and starts to bleed and needs help, they can go to surgery to eastern Tibet?
1: Uh, No, (laughs) no. No, I think uh, no. That's 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 very very different. I happen to. Chosen and it was kind of helped, uh, another group helped coordinate getting me into eastern Tibet where they, uh, a Vancouver charitable group called Seva, which works with uh, cataract surgeries. I got a chance to kind of witness the, some of the great work they do there with cataract surgeries. So I, I basically watched, and it's in the show too, um, uh, quite an array of cataract surgeries on, on Tibetan nomads, which is an amazing experience because the, the three women I, I followed completely through the process had traveled 1,200 kilometers over three days to get there and between the three of them they needed five cataract surgeries so yeah, five out of six eyes were, were damaged by cataracts. And it is amazing to both witness the process and then afterwards to see somebody when they take off that packing only 24 hours later and somebody can see who maybe hasn't seen for a decade or longer. That's pretty powerful, pretty amazing. And you help pay for that, too. Yeah, I kind of originally figured I would uh, pick up the tab for one of the people going through this. But after meeting the ladies and kind of seeing it all, you get pretty taken by it. And I, I covered the their portion of the costs for the, all of their surgeries. And, yeah, it was pretty... Pretty powerful for me. And, and they gave me some mala beads, which are like rosary beads that I still have. And I kind of wear those in the show, too.
0: So. All stuff detailed in the show. And what is the show again, William Jans? Uh,
1: This one's off the wall in China and far-flung Philippines. And I probably should mention for anyone scratching their head about it, um, the website has more info and more pictures. And that's wrjphoto.com. Um, that's the easiest way to find out what people have said about it and why they tend to sell out. And then the Tanzania one is specifically Tanzania for the, the whole show. That's the first time I've done one of these trips where it hasn't been multiple countries. But the benefit was I got a chance to get one language um, far better than I normally would have. Instead of, usually i would be trying to pick up a few languages in a few different countries from one trip.
0: How about dentistry in Tanzania? Uh,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> the, I, I met the Datoga tribes, and they used to have issues with lockjaw and uh what they used to do uh, from young ages is they 'd pop out the bottom front teeth uh, of of kids, so that if lockjaw ever hit, they could still manage to feed these people and, and they wouldn 't die of starvation and uh, That was a long long time ago there 's no more lockjaw history or sorry no more lockjaw happening now, but that became i guess the status quo for what was fashionable, so now they still pop out the bottom two center teeth and uh they kindly offered to do that for me and, and I mean it was a really good laugh the guy who who I was uh, filming for for that there's like so there's stills in the show but there's also video and the video of that guy man he was such a performer he was so entertaining it's almost as if somebody coached him saying say this and do this but this is all through a translator because he speaks a tribal dialect too but uh, this is also the same tribe too where they do um, scars like with razor blades on their face to, to put markings around so there's a, one woman who had like these two it looked kind of like owl rings around her eyes that made them look quite large. And it must have been, I don't know, 40 to 50. 50- cuts per eye that was done and that's all for beautification they also do they cut away part of the earlobes not so much stretching them but cutting away a section and put these brass rings through there and also around the neck and she, this one younger gal was wearing one that was put on five years ago and and it it, uh, it looks like a little dish almost around her neck and it's th- really fantastic
0: and it's hard to be a vegetarian here because the veggies contaminate the pot
1: Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely true. Well, the Maasai specifically, um, I've got a bit in the show of one guy saying uh, that uh, the pots, uh, women there are kind of the opposite to here. A lot of people who are vegetarians here don't want meat contaminating their pots, but the Maasai women don't want vegetables contaminating their meat pots. And uh, the one guy was even heard to say that uh, vegetables are for cows. And and if I told them, you know, I have friends who eat only vegetables, they would say, "Well, don't bring them here because they'll eat all the grass, and that'll be bad for the cows."
0: On all these journeys that you're going on, of these great slideshows, multimedia type stuff, do you put on? Some punks attend them, but do you ever see any punks in
1: your travels at all? Well, I'm pleased to say I've had some punks at Denim for sure and some of the music, a, a lot of the music I, I find over there is, is very different but there's also been some very, I've had some Tuxedo Moon in part of a show, a little snippet of there and Einstein in the and it's weird what you can hear overseas. Also, Howard Jones I kept hearing in, uh, in China this time and uh, even though the worst part was being on a bus and Olivia Newton-John's I Honestly Love You played over and over on this long bus ride so I mean, I had to use a little snippet of that because I recorded it right in the bus after having to be tormented by it. But, um, sorry, you were saying do, do punks come to the show typically? or
0: Well, do you see many mohawks out there when you're traveling?
1: Hell no. I met uh, a long time ago, um, I'm trying to remember if this is South America or if this is, no, this is the trekking in Tibet um, trip. I met a guy, yeah, you'll love this, who, a bunch of us were sitting around listening to this guy's stories. him and his girlfriend, who, I mean, he was pierced like crazy and was quite proud to tell you where he was pierced and how good that was, et cetera. But he was a buddy of Kurt Cobain's, and uh, I knew they had, like, some common folks uh, that they kind of were affiliated with. And then the wildest thing he said was going to a party once where this gal that the song that um, Nirvana wrote about where they refer to the porn king... I can't remember which song right now. I don't remember the lyrics too. but he talked all about it. This is this girl that they all kind of dated. And uh, I mean, it's sort of off color, but they, three of them once showed up at a party and, you know, ring the doorbell, and she opens the door and goes, oh, my God, it's great to see you all. I screwed all of you. <laughs> So she was known to get around. But uh, he had wild stories and, and also, you know, lots of different band stuff from the whole, uh, you know, the whole scene of the grunge scene, and, and et cetera. So. But the
0: punk quotient in this particular show that you're going to be putting on William Jan's are the big rats, right? Punks love rats. The giant <laughs> rat. There's a giant rat there, isn't there?
1: There is a lot of – well, you can eat them, too. I even went to one small community where they do serve rat meat called uh, Lao, I think it's called, I believe. And uh, I don't think I had that, but this time around, I ate some weird stuff, too. I had scorpion and centipede and the balut that you talked about. And you can eat a whole lot of penis in China if you want to. That's quite a desired commodity in, in this one area. And uh, it did all sorts of different types, too. I mean, there's a, this massive row of meats. of, And then the one guy was actually trying to suggest that you get a penis and you get two testicles. You get the whole set, and that's the best quality. <laughs>
0: And you can see these photos at wrjphoto.com, or you can check them out tonight at Off The Wall in China. Tonight, right, William Jens? Indeed. Friday, May the 25th at Prince of Wales, and also next week at John Oliver School. And in the week after that, going to be details from Tanzania. You've also gone on other adventures to other interesting places. Where did you go on an unexploded bomb tour? That sounds quite interesting.
1: That was in Laos. It's a place called uh, Zienkwan, which has got X's in front of it. Uh, I mean, that's the way it's spelled. Uh, And it is very strange. It's considered to be the most bombed place in the history of warfare, or Laos in general is that. Um, And in going to this place, flying in is typically the safest, but there's a massive amount of what's called UXO, which is unexploded ordnance, which is basically live bombs. And there was more injuries post-war than during the war of, like, just poor farmers out there doing their thing, and unfortunately, boom, they find, a, you know, one of these live warheads. And uh, so it's, it's really rather outrageous. And I went on a little walking tour where it was one of those place, places you definitely want to stay on the path. And the weirdest thing, too, at one point, um, walking along, I, I saw what I thought was this flashlight, and I thought, you know, litter always bugs me wherever I am. And I was thinking, you know, who would litter, like, in the middle of the pathway, and I was almost going to kick this thing out of the way, didn't. And then I asked uh, the two other gals who were on the tour after it I said, did you see that? Or no, they said, did you see the live bomb in the middle of the path? It was like, oh, my God, that was not a flashlight. Thank God I didn't kick it.
0: William Jans, if people go to your Facebook profile, they see a photo. What is that photo? Like, you're jumping way high. Is that real?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's actually in Yosemite. Um, Yeah, that's Half Dome, and you can get to the top of it. Well, it's funny, in the little uh, Facebook site, you can't tell... That the drop there is—I uh, don't know—it's well, have to. Own my, it's it's massively high and it's straight down. There's people who have actually bungeed off of that thing. I mean, they they attached themselves. It's a real high risk thing and totally disallowed. But yeah, it's a straight down drop and that was a little pinnacle of it. And i, I don't know if that's from my regular Facebook or if that's the William Jans live shows. But yeah, I threw it up there and a few people commented. <laughs>
0: William Jens, you are quite the photographer. In fact, inspecting your resume, you've taken photos of the Thompson Twins four different times. What was it with you and the Thompson Twins?
1: <laughs> I think they were opening. For, I got actually the good fortune of kind of touring with the police for a couple shows to photograph that. And they were opening in Seattle for them, and I think that was one of them. And I also met them at CITR once and got some pictures, and that's going way back. That's, yeah. Um, it's happenstance in some respects, although there's other bands like Echo and the Bunnymen I was a big fan of, and I got to, you know, photograph them, meet them and party with them a few different times. And The Clash, too, who were great.
0: But of all the bands that you've photographed, you've probably photographed the Thompson Twins the most. That's what I love about it. The Thompson Twins. Oh, you know what? One. I don't
1: even remember that. So I think it really is more inconsequential that they were opening for other things. Um, Actually, you know what's funny? I remember, as you say that, too, there was one time, I guess I, yeah, I was really involved and then photographed them one time, and afterwards, um, they jumped in my car, which was this little rabbit at the time, and I was driving them around trying to find some club, and... uh yeah, I mean, that was kind of cool, you know, having Joe Leeway and, you know, sitting in the car and trying to drive him around and find, find this, the next thing to do. But they, of course, were a little disappointed with Vancouver. It wasn't as exciting as some of the cities I'm sure they're used to performing. What
0: about The Clash, William Jans? You took quite a few photos of them, but particularly some private
1: parties like Mick Jones' birthday party and the tour end party? Yeah, they were so nice. I mean, they were the only band I ever recall meeting that you could ask... Like, anybody could go up afterwards and say, hey, we're having a party after the show. Do you want to come? And they'd go, oh, yeah, right, and they'd show up, and uh, that was really cool. One party was at the Montgomery Cafe, uh, and I just, I, they were really down to earth, and, and uh, yeah, it's funny, because I think the, the time or general public might have figured that they were maybe a bit more aggressive and grumpy because the whole punk thing, but they were just great guys.
0: And the jam, too, left some interesting graffiti.
1: Yeah, that was really cool. And I should have done more with that at the time because I think the media, or music media especially, would have been really keen on that because there was supposedly quite a rivalry between the jam and the Clash. And they were playing either one week or two weeks apart at the Caresdale Arena uh, in, in Caresdale obviously and I mean it's just a hockey arena but it became the place to do weird gigs for a while or fun gigs and so the jam played first and I got really lucky to be backstage early for that even before like the crowds came back and that was that was cool and I actually saw Paul Weller writing behind the door of this uh, hockey room. Um, uh, hey, hey, uh, Joe, keep the faith. Love Paul Weller. And I, so I took a picture of that. And then a couple weeks later, when the Clash were there, I said, hey, you know, Joe, <laughs> come here, let me show you this. And I should have been bright enough to get a picture of each of them with the thing. But uh, I do have a shot of the, the, the graffiti. And that on its own was pretty cool because I, I think everybody was figuring there's this massive rivalry.
0: What was it like taking photos of the Jacksons?
1: Oh, really high security. Super. As a matter of fact, um... Janet was sitting right behind us, too, like, and her, and her parents, um, uh, and, and they made it expressly clear. This is a B.C. place, and, and they, so I was, you know, accredited media for that, and they made it expressly clear that do not photograph past the point that you're told to. And normally they say turn your cameras the other way if they're really uptight, but this time with the, the other Jackson families right behind us, they... They wouldn't let us do that, so it was um, yeah you know tight timelines. They were uh, really big at the time, and it used to be great shooting gigs way back. Where four song limit still is a bit restrictive. I mean, the whole thing we'd always hope for is being able to shoot the whole gig and be discreet, which I was a big fan of. Like, you don't have to have a flash. You can. This is back in the days of film too. You still, if you know what you're doing, you can manage to keep kind of low key, not get in people's way, and shoot the whole gig. But that got restrictive to, to four songs typically, and then when I shot Marilyn Manson for the straight a couple years back, that was brutal. That was a four-minute limit, like one song. And, and I was a bit bummed because I happened to have the bad luck. There's, I don't know, eight photographers or something shooting, and I was standing right beside this bully of a security guard who – as soon as it started, he started shoving me. And because I only had four minutes, I really didn't have time to stop and negotiate, saying, look, I only got four minutes. Can you stop pushing me? And I had to just deal with this guy shoving me as I'm trying to get these shots. And they sort of said, you know, don't get near Marilyn. He's really, you know, grumpy. Or I think that's part of the shtick they try to put out there. But I have a picture of him leaning out, and his fingers are just underneath my lens, and he had this microphone that was shaped like a blade. And they kept saying it is a knife, but, you know, you could kind of tell it. We, you know, wasn't super, super sharp, but this was going to be like the bomber shot. And he's looking right at me. His hands are in the lens another millisecond more, and I would have had an even better one. But then this security guy, you know, slammed me out of the way, and I went flying, and uh, that's the tough part about being a photographer at gigs.
0: Stories from William Jans of the Rock and Roll Variety and off the Off the Wall in China variety are happening tonight, Friday, May the twenty-fifth, at the Prince of Wales School Theater at eight PM. More info at WRJphoto.com and what's happening tonight is a crazy trip through the Philippines and China. Speaking of trips, you went on an interesting trip around Stanley Park in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, not knowing who you were running with, William Jans, photographer? <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I've been running for a fair few years, and uh, I had the good fortune of getting thrown into a race. There was a TV station I did photos for uh, for a few years, and I got to run with them for a fair while. So sometimes I just get this note saying, hey, there's this race if you want to do it. So, yeah, cool. And this was an uh, eight-kilometer one, I think, so slightly odd distance. And I showed up, and I ended up – I was the only rep from City TV there. And uh, so – and it turns out hardly anybody was there. It was for – a. well, it was it turned out it was mostly walkers, and so I'm looking around, and you could sort of tell. Me and this other guy look at each other, and we clearly tell we're pretty much the only two runners, it seemed, and a few other though, slower folks. So I say hi, you know, start chatting with this guy. Gun goes, we start running together, and we're chatting the whole way. And I never put the pieces together as I'm saying. So, you know, how'd you hear about the race? He says I was in the park yesterday, and I, 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 it led to you know where are you from? He says L.A. Oh, how cool. What are you doing in town? Oh, I'm in a band. Oh, really? Where are you playing? And he says I can't re- remember the name of the place. And it's like okay, fine. And I do remember asking where are you staying? And he said, the wall center. And I was like, wow, business is good, man, if you're staying there. And I said, what do you play? He says, bass. And he eventually told me the name of the band, which was Fiction Plane, which, like an idiot, I usually am pretty up to speed on who's doing what, but I didn't, I didn't know it at the time. Anyway, it turns out it was Sting's son I was running with the whole time. And uh, at the end of the race, like, uh, he actually got lost. So he, uh, he came well, he, he was ahead of me, he picked up, and I said, go ahead, go ahead. you know, you're doing, doing better than I. But he got lost, so I, I won, he came second, or he won, I came second, whatever, you know.
0: The Thompson Twins, Shriek Back as well, Shriek Back.
1: I was and, a big fan, they were really cool. And Tears for Fears. And Nina Hagen, and uh, Nina Hagen was very fun. Uh, Lena Lovitch too, and um, actually, and, uh, one of the nicest people I remember meeting was uh, Annie Lennox from the Eurythmics. How about Queen and the Talking Heads? Oh, Talking Heads. um, Yeah, backstage. I remember one of the uh, roadies was saying talking to David Byrne is like talking to a wall. And he didn't mean it in a bad way. He just said he's so busy in his own thoughts. It's as if that you might not always have his full undivided attention, and it did kind of feel like that because I had a chance to chat with him a bit, and he was really nice. And I asked about the big suit—if you remember, you know, stop making sense—the big giant suit—and it was so cool hearing him tell him tell me about how he and his mom kind of made it, which I thought was really fun and. I think one neat memory I have, too, is I did mention in passing, I, I, what I used to I used to bring uh, vinyl albums with me, and I'd leave them in the car. And then after the gig, I'd scramble out, get my albums, come back, and I'd get the albums signed instead of getting some stupid matchbook signed or something. So I got this collection of very cool autographed albums. But So I went out to grab those, and while doing so, I met these three younger kids who were standing out back, kind of waiting to hope to meet the band, and chatted with them for the moment. They were really nice. and When I came back in, I mentioned it to David Byrne. And... Didn't really think he was entirely listening, but shortly after, I, this was so nice of him. He walked all the way, this is at the Coliseum, walked all the way from the, the dressing room all the way to the back to where these doors were and brought these kids in and let them kind of be there with, uh, with the band and stuff. And uh, yeah, I thought that was really pretty slick. Queen and Bowie, though. You have a really good shot of Bowie. Yeah, with the Bowie, um, Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I shot Bowie a few times and... When they did the serious Moonlight Tour thing here, I I, um, I can't remember how this happened, now, but the road manager I spoke with, and he kind of said there was no media really allowed for that because it was really just to shoot the video and they had other things to worry about. But he kind of said if I could get my camera and it was okay. So it was kind of like I had this little secret nod of like, yeah, yeah, you're okay, you're good to go. And I got some very cool pictures, and one's still in my wall here, which is uh, these hands reaching up. Towards and he's like right there. And it's it just I think it's all the more powerful than the typical concert shot where you're in, in the in the pit and you have a clear view of what's going on. This is you can just tell the the energy of the crowd just reaching for him and stuff.
0: And lastly, winding up here with William Jans, who's putting on the off the wall in China photo show multimedia extravaganza <laughs> tonight, Friday, May the twenty fifth at Prince of Wales School, right? William Jens?
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know what? If I can even interject, I just dawned to me. I love your show, and I love your audience, because I listen all the time, and people phoning in, I think they're super cool. So uh, although I'm not really prepared for this, if it's okay, I, I would love to do a little informal contest. If anybody wants to send an email and just tell me they heard the show, I'll enter them to win tickets to either next Friday show or the Friday after. So just go to the website and uh, or, or email WRJ at WRJphoto.com, and I will, uh, I'll pick some crazy person to win.
0: Or do you want somebody to phone in here? Um, or would, oh, well, I, you
1: know, either, I, well, you know, either. Well, however you want to do it.
0: Okay. Well, what's your email then?
1: For wrj people- at dot com.
0: Okay, and yeah. if you email William, he'll put you on the guest list for tonight or even maybe some of the other nights that are
1: coming up. Yeah, I probably will, I have to leave right after this setup, up, so I won't do it for tonight, but it'll be for next Friday or Friday after and yeah, we'll pick a winner.
0: So that's uh, w r j photo at uh, r
1: uh, No, no, no. w r j at wrjphoto.com. And just say that you're listening to the Denard show and yeah, we'll pick a winner.
0: And lastly here William Jan's
1: Queen. <laughs> Oh, this is embarrassing, but, you know, I've never told this, but uh, I love the the people you interview and how candid they are, so I figured, okay, you know, I should totally tell this. Uh, I got to be at the gig, and it was really cool, and I met Brian May afterwards and got him to sign the albums and stuff, and I really wanted, to, of course, to get the rest of the band, but they seemed to have disappeared a little quicker, but I'd heard it was Freddie Mercury's birthday, and there was a birthday thing happening at the Weston Bay Shore that night and I can't remember how, well I got myself there and I was obviously trying to get up into this party thinking this would be a real blast and as it turns out Tina Turner was playing the same night and another photographer I know was shooting that and she comes wandering in with them and the keyboard player I think for Tina Turner's band I guess um the other photographer Anyway, somehow he ended up chatting with me and I of course am saying hey you know, this is this party and he, and he says yeah well sure and uh, like he so he's going to be bringing me up to Freddie Mercury's birthday and I'm thinking this is a big party I'm thinking this is going to be great so we go up in the elevator and he says yeah I just got to stop in the room for a bit first so I go and I'm a you know younger I had hair then <laughs> and uh, he says oh well uh, you know I'm just going to take a quick little shower and hey why don't you give me a quick massage before you know we go up there and like ah oh, you know that's okay he says well I'll give you a quick massage I'm like no you know that's alright and I was kind of Playing this a little carefully, and uh, oddly, I look back and realize maybe he was doing me a bit of a favor of thinking, "Look, if you're not on board with this kind of thing right now, if you get up to Freddie Mercury's wingding up there, it's going to be complete mayhem, perhaps like that." So um, I, I basically, you know, we spent a little bit of time there. He threw. We came back in the elevator. We were going to go up towards the party, and he did the classic thing of like the doors open at the party, and he pushes the button. He says, "Okay, I'm just going to check, make sure it's okay, and I'll, I'll you know, wait in the lobby. I'll bring. I'll come down and get you shortly." It's like, yeah, right. So phew, doors closed and I never got to go. But as I said, it could have been maybe pr- protecting me from mayhem. Who knows?
0: So if you want to go all the way with William Jans, <laughs> that's again email William.
1: W-R-J at W-R-J dot com. And that's
0: a game for tickets to one in case people are wondering. Please yeah, tickets for next
1: time. Friday's Off the Wall in China and far-flung Philippines or uh, Tales from Tanzania the week after. And they're both whacked out stories. I'm, I'm pleased to say the media has been very receptive and had good things to say. So um, I think there's good reason to, to be able to say anybody will have a good time. It's weird stuff.
0: And right now, to end this little portion of an interview with William Jans, going to play something now by a guy called Rio Pilon. And he is doing a version of a song called Oh No by a band from Quebec called Les Houlops. And this was sent to me by Felix. Thank you so much, Felix, from CBC Radio 3 Band Apart in Quebec. So this is a cover version of a 1960s song by Les Houlops called Oh No by an artist from the 1960s. He recorded in 1960s called Real Pilon, and it's called Oh No. And anything else you want to add to the people? out And then an interview after that with Kendrick Lamar. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, William Jans?
1: Well, before that, I always wanted to do this. Oh, it's not working. Oh, sometimes you get a double echo. You know when they always say turn your radio down. If you actually keep it on, you can get this echo. Oh, it's not working. I don't have much else to say. No, I, that's okay. I, I, actually, I was still so hoping that would work. We actually
0: enjoy that on it. We actually enjoyed it on, on our Weirdly Human Survey Radio Show, me and the listeners, because <laughs> most shows say turn down your radio. I just say turn it up. We want the feedback. <laughs> bring it on. If you want to do the work, bring it on. Well,
1: so, usually there's a looping echo. See here, like hello, 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 hello. It's really cool.
0: Well, thanks much William Jans. Keep on rocking in the free world and do doo to loot do
1: That's what I always do)
0: And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. You just heard right there, Real Pilon with Oh No. Coming up right now, an interview with Kendrick Lamar. And to prepare you for Kendrick Lamar, here are a couple tracks by the world-class wrecking crew, Surgery and Dre's Beat, featuring, of course, Dr. Dre. And in an interview with... Kendrick Lamar on the War, the Human Serviette Radio Show.
2: Records. Make Surf. Turntables.
3: Speakers. Records. Make Turntables. Speakers.
4: The party people up off the wall. You'll feel motivated as he operates. Cause party energy is what he generates. He'll prescribe for you his potent elixir. Two turntable speakers and a mixer. You'll rock your party wherever you be. Calling Dr. Dre to
5: surgery. (laughs) It's Dr. Dre in surgery. He has a PhD in mixology. To cut on the wheel, so vicious. I mean, but when they come to my path, you're guaranteed. Beat.
4: Texas. Appreciate you. Kendrick Lamar, what the hell are you doing right now? How are things going? Everything's going well. Album, tour, album, tour, South by Southwest. That's it. Kendrick Lamar, thank you, Tech Nine, right? Tech Nine,
0: thank you. What did he do exactly? He helped hook you up with Dr. Dre. Oh, why would you say, how, how, how did Tech Nine go with Dr. Dre? Well, didn't you go to do some concert there with the Tech Nine and Dre suddenly came through down there? Oh,
4: that's a nigga J Rock. That's a good one. Yeah, please enter. Who else was here? What was going on there? Who do, can you? J Rock, Absol, Soundwave, Rock is cracking up, laughing. This dude is nuts right here. Okay, I will tell the story. So it's true. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, we did the show. I don't know what was that. Denny's or something. We was eating, and we got a strange call to my dude Ali phone, and it was it was. Dr. Dre. I don't know. Just he called the phone and that was it. In history since then. That's crazy, you know that though.
0: Thank you Tech Nine.
4: Thank you Tech Nine.
0: <laughs> now, Kendrick Lamar, when working with Dr. Dre, did he tell you anything about his early career at all?
4: Yeah, definitely. What did he say? Um how the records was made. Yeah. yeah
0: his early personal musical career. Yeah. He told me about that. Just did you get any mementos of his early personal record career?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I have some more for you right now, Kendrick. What's that? I have right here some world-class wrecking crew for you. Yeah. What did Dre say about the good old world-class
4: wrecking crew? It was the start of his motherfucking legacy. <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the, uh, what he said about this. This is classic, matter of fact.
0: A couple world class and yes, that's give and another world class wrecking crew. World class wrecking crew. I was surprised you couldn't got it from Dr. Dre's record collection. Doesn't he have these hanging around there?
4: No, nah, he got a he got a, a dungeon that he keeps all of his good good work like this. And he doesn't let you into the dungeon at all. No, nah, I'm not. Nobody's allowed there.
0: Kendrick Lamar, what was the biggest chain you ever saw? Really, was it on your cousin from the south?
4: Oh, the biggest chain I ever saw. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was the first big chain I saw. Yeah.
0: Cousin, family, Big Daddy. Got another gift for you, Kendrick Lamar. Have it right here. The Big Daddy... King. Hey, Big Daddy King. What can you tell the people Big Daddy King? East Coast.
4: East Coast. This is one of my pop's favorite artists right here. Do you know what I'm saying? My pop's from Chicago. He actually, you know, it's crazy. When I was coming home, you know, they say, when I was in the car seat coming from the hospital, my pops was playing this really loud. And my mom was like turn that shit down. He was like, no. Let him hear it. This is music, and it's good music. Big Daddy Kane.
0: And your mom was one of 13 siblings?
4: That's good stuff. Definitely.
0: <laughs> That's a big family.
4: Yeah, it's a real big family.
0: And you said, quote, you got like 15 stories like Average Joe. You got like 15 stories?
4: Good stuff, yep. Can you tell us one of those? If you got 15 um 15 um let's let's go to 13 hmm walking from home police pull up on the side of you hey you look like so-and-so i'm not so-and-so you are so-and-so get in the car and let's take this ride get out the car you're not so-and-so we don't need you anymore that's one of the stories compton california compton california for you now that might make you kinda hungry.
0: What about Louisiana
4: chicken? <laughs> that's the yeah, Louisiana chicken. That's the neighborhood, yeah. And that's my like, that's my favorite. Yeah. And it's like bulletproof glass? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: What do you order there?
4: I ordered the number three. It's a three piece with the fries and the lemonade.
0: And Ken Clamar, there's also Tams and Rite
4: Aid too. The Rite aid definitely grew up in Tams and Rite Aid. This dude right here is really doing his research, though. This is Yeah, Tams and Rite Aid. I get the chili cheese fries.
0: going to go at the Rite Aid?
4: Rite Aid, I just get a bunch of milk for my little brother and stuff like that.
0: Kevin, come on. Also wanting the Compton Swap Meat. What's that like? Can you get grills at the Compton Swap Meat?
4: I don't know now if you can get grills, but we didn't really get grills. We got Jordans and Nike Cortez and all that type of good stuff like that and gold, you know, Rolex chains and stuff like that.
0: It used to be a Sears?
4: Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Can you explain a bit about that? Kind of dope, kind of dope. A Sears what? For, on the Compton Swap Me? Yeah. That may be way before my time. I don't know that. No, i serious. I'm 87. <laughs> I ain't started seeing the Compton Swap Me until 91. You Kendrick? Yeah, Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. Definitely.
0: VIP music.
4: You might know shit, I don't know. Sears, Compton Swap Me. VIP music. Right across the street from the neighborhood. Are your record stocked there? Do they have much vinyl? no. No. I my first CD there, DMX. And what about your second CD? What was the last CD you bought at VIP Music? My last? No VIPs. Is there any VIPs? No. Close. They're done. Are there any record stores? That, no. iTunes. Tar- Maybe you can open it up. Eventually, TDE Record Store.
0: I want to ask you, Kendrick Lamar, about some more Compton music here. Specifically, right here, I have this group of records right here. Check this out. The Compton Compilation. Where you get this from?
4: The Compton compilation. This is from about 19, about, the, about NWA time. Have you ever seen this before? I know a few of these cats, MC8. No, I've never seen this before. I didn't even know this existed. Oh, yeah. Who do you know on there? Who can you see? I see MC8, for sure.
0: And the white guy as well from Compton's Most Wanted. Because if you turn the record over right here, what do we have underneath? Oh, Compton's Most Wanted. That's right, MC. And the white guy. The white guy. Who was that? The white guy from Compton's Most Wanted. I never knew there was a white guy in Compton's Most Wanted. This is crazy. And underneath... This. Who else do we have in the room? Could you just introduce them again?
4: From, from the left here. This is Ali. This is Ali. J-Rock. A-Mac. Dave Free. Soundway. Absol. All here in Austin, Texas with Kendrick Lamar. I never knew about this right here either. You know? This is... Can I have this?
6: Uh, that,
0: some of them, possibly. <laughs>
4: And
0: this right here is Toddy T, who is like the first, do you know Toddy T at all? Hey,
4: Mixed Bash Spade, Toddy T, my pops put me up on game. Matter of fact, my Uncle Tony, R.I.P., dig what I'm saying? What
0: can you tell people, Toddy T, he's one of the first guys.
4: First, this is one of the first, you know, I would say artists that really put it down for Compton. Toddy T. Then you heard about N.W.A., but this is one of this is legendary right here. You dig that? The Gangsta Boogie. You did your real homework, Snooty Fox. You know about that song? No. Yeah, it's a real nasty song. My mom's.
0: And another Compton
4: record? Huh? Yeah. What is this?
0: The King T.
4: You got some O.G.s on your joint, man. You really be doing your research, bro. We are Kenneth Kamar. We got to do that representing Compton. King T. This is my pops would enjoy that you showing this to me right here. King did feel the agony. Back up. Let's see what else. Who can appreciate this right here? Abso, Dub C in the Mad Circle, West Side Connection. Come on, Dub C. A lot of people, you know what's crazy about Dub C is, you know, he been doing this before you he heard the West Side Obviously, you know, West Side Connection, but still legendary as well.
0: Thanks so much for this
4: knowledge of Compton Records. It's amazing. Gave me more knowledge than I even, you know, ever knew. I never knew about this right here. I ain't never seen this. The Compton Compilation. The Compton Compilation. What year is this? I think it's about 88. Yeah, I'm born in 87. Let me see. So this... 1989, actually. So what happened was N.W.A. came and they just overshadowed this. So this is one of the records where uh, if I didn't blow, but somebody else that was doing it blew after me they will shadow me and they'll be out and that's what happened with this
0: and Kendrick you're talking about Compton Records if I go to Compton I understand I got this little handbill here there's actually LA Compton Hood Tours have you seen this? <laughs>
4: no, I ain't see this what's this?
0: check this out look
4: what it says right there LA's, LA's. hottest sightseeing tour what's what they put to put you on the back of a bandwagon a, a wagon or something and drive you around? yeah to all the sites like check on the back here Oh, right, get out of here are you serious? You, L.A. hood tours. You get your ass shot rolling around with people you don't know. <laughs> you <might> have, <laughs> I hope you made this up and don't be trying to plan on getting. No, this it. is real. You got Rock on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got Jay
0: Rock on here. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> rock over here, dog. Please explain what's going on. Please introduce who you have right here again.
4: This, this right here is J. Rock right here. <laughs> he's from his projects. Negerson Garden Projects. Uh, I guess this is a place that people want to see when they come to L.A. And, you know, uh, this dude, you know, is on the forefront for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you meet him in the flesh right now.
0: G rock did you know that you are in this hood tour at all? Nah, I ain't no shit about this right here, man. This dude, man, he's, he's crazy. Apparently, the game's dad is involved with this. He does some of the tours. I don't know nothing about it. I... What are some of the sites if somebody wants to check them out? What would they be visiting? It says childhood homes,
4: movies. What would they be checking out? Oh man, I, I don't know what they'd be checking out, trying to go through these parts right here, man. You know they what I mean? Watch towers on there. Oh, yeah. that's, hey. a, that's where he from. Yeah,
6: yeah.
4: They, I see the hey, tops. Yeah, they, they, they got they got. Watts on there. They got Watts on there. I'm quite sure they probably go say the Compton swap meet. Um, everything else around that just bullet holes. Unless yeah. you want to go see that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask J Rock for a second. Me being from Canada, are you familiar with the other J Rock from the Trailer Park Boys? You know that rapper, the J Rock from the Trailer Park Boys? No, I ain't never heard of him, it's like man. A Canadian TV series is a white guy, J Rock.
3: No, no, I ain't never heard of him. Something man. to check up
0: on. Maybe when we take you on a hood tour of Halifax, you can check that out. Hard. <laughs> and winding up here with Kendrick Lamar, Kendrick. I was curious here. Food for less. Food for less.
4: Food for less. Yeah. You went What you went to win over there? You got. The, you talked about Louisiana. You got food for less. This is the area. This is where I grew up at. You know. And I. What my, what my cereal? We got my cereal. Uh, we left my cereal. Well, Fruity Pebbles. That's my favorite cereal. And I just get all my Fruity Pebbles from there. Sometimes we couldn't afford to buy it, so I had to take some of that Fruity Pebbles and eat it. Cause it was good
0: Do you know a guy Called Cannon
4: Day You heard that cannon? That's Please cr- explain Yeah that's crazy This dude said Cannon Wow <laughs> That's crazy Cannon That's one of the dudes I start off rapping with My dude Antonio Yeah <laughs> Wow That's 8th grade That's 7th grade How's he doing now? He's killing right now. He's doing his thing right now. He want to come up. That's crazy, though.
0: Kendrick Lamar, you also have the song, I Wanna Be a...
4: I Wanna Be a... What's that? Gates. I Wanna Be a Gates.
0: What you say? I Wanna Be a...
4: Oh, Bill Gates? I Wanna Be Like Bill Gates? That's yeah. It? You know, I was wondering, is it Bill Gates you wanna be like? And do you know what you're in for if you wanna be like Bill Gates? I see. What song was that? Was that on that, on that? I think that was a metaphor for saying I want to just have a lot of fucking money and not be stuck in the hood all day. I don't know if those who I really want to be like, but what I'm in for. Well, Bill Gates had Bono from U2 sleep over at his
0: house. Yeah. You have a sleepover with U2. What do you think about that? I'm good on that. <laughs> and Bill Gates can also jump over a chair. So you'll be in for that. Are you? Can you jump over a
4: chair? I don't have the type of ability. I just rap <laughs> a little bit. This <laughs> dude don't jump over a chair, girl. Kendrick Lamar. Quote sweet taste of victory
0: like Oprah's pussy punani
4: yeah but this is the <laughs> what about that you like that line
0: I love it and it made me think also though you did a benefit for a women's center too I thought that was really cool you did a benefit for a women's center in L.A.
4: Yeah it turned out good too it turned out good yep
0: Kendrick Lamar one person I haven't lastly mentioned here Willie B Willie
4: B Rigor Mortis
0: now, how did he fit into the family? Was he discovered at an Office Depot? At
4: an Office? That, is that true? <laughs> at an Office Depot? Yeah, I, mean <laughs> I, <think so. laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. You know, Ab Abso, Absol introduced me to, to Willie B. He came to the studio and just had some crazy beats. And I just rapped. And I him. thought it was via Lori Joe, right? Isn't there Lori Joe? Yeah. And I thought it was at a Home Depot, so I was thinking Home
0: Depot. Thank you, Tech Nine, and thank you, Home Depot. Yeah, right. Because Willie B. Doing the beats. Right. How many songs
4: have you written in the air, Kendrick Lamar? How many songs have I written in the air? It's probably three. Hold Up, um, Let Me Be Me, um, Blow My High. Yeah. When you're up there rapping, Kendrick Lamar, do you ever see people crying in the audience? Yeah, I definitely do. That's every gig? Not every gig. Every other gig. And lastly, what about Lil Easy? Has he come to any of your gigs at all? Not that I'm aware of. I just met him for the first time, actually, probably like a month ago. Where'd you meet him? Real good dude. I was doing some, uh, what I was doing, something for MTV, actually. And he was in there and we were speaking on his pops, and the legacy of his pops. That was my first time meeting him. Real humble dude, man. I could tell he's from the same city as I am, you know, so. And do people bootleg your YouTube audio? Yeah. That's incredible. Like, your YouTube audio? Yeah, definitely. That's a good thing, though. I'd rather bootleg that than bootlegging the music. You're from Compton, and that's like South Central. Mm, Watts is more South Central.
0: But What do you think about the name South Central? There's some movement to call it like South Los Angeles. What do you think about that?
4: South I'm used to South Central, so I ain't never really said South Los Angeles. South Central, that's how I was raised.
0: Kendrick Lamar, anything else you want
4: to add to the people out there at all? Schoolboy Q, Abso, J-Rock, T-D-E, Habits the Contradictions, Follow Me Home, Absolute joint on the way. That's what I'm talking about. TD, that's all it's about. You know what I mean? It's not about just one person, just about the whole movie. You dig that? And it's about this city right here. Mm. City of Compton. Bet that. Well, thanks much,
0: Kendrick Lamar. Keep on rocking in the free world. How you know about Canada, though? How you know about Canada? Thanks very much, Kendrick Lamar. You're Kendrick Lamar. I gotta know about it. Keep on rocking in the free world. And do 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 doo doo do do, do, do.
6: People have no fear. The back in attack. for eighty-eight year. It's the gangster boogie with the shot. Come on, y'all, let's rock, rock, rock. Gangster boogie, get on it. <laughs> <laughs> gangster boogie, get into it, do <laughs> it. Gangster boogie. That's a great intro, but we don't have all the people on the dance floor. Let them know we're the rappers that's going. Yo, man, what you Well, ball? the lights, cameras, the action sound. Give me that mic I'm about to throw down. Such MTs, I'm back in the saddle. Form a line here if you want to battle. Yes, it's the when and the rap crew together forever and we're sticking like glue and we'll never buy the ride because the rhymes we fight are sealed in the fruit and wrapped up tight yeah man i like it that grew right there but we still got someone in that chair get them out of that hair man Yes, I'm hip to cocaine, but it's all the same Cause it's the power of drugs to make it you thing. I'm not sad, the Fun on the crowd Like JB said, I'm black and I'll say loud You're not a witness on the contra scale My voice is your choice, for the gangster death The high rollers of rap are back in your tap So let's rock this boogie with the woogie-oogie breakdown Now, man, you yeah. ride your death You took the boogie off the shelf Now, man, give us the chance So, yo, man, explain your this. The Gangsta
3: Boogie is a dance That is deaf and guaranteed Like speed, to make you run out of breath So just shake your hips and move your head With style and grace like you're loving and be Only if you will learn and a couple will try So just shake your rump from side to side And if you got good rhythm then you'll learn quick And yo talk. let's bust it
6: The Gangsta Boogie is known on the Compton Street You don't buy no guns at your feet to dance You just give that sucker in front of a chance The Gangsta Boogie is fame across the nation And we're dancing in front of the police station With Fade on my side, I ain't taking no snack The credits it was over, Toddy T fought it back. back to me bang. the Boogie was there You took it right off the shelf, man Now let's rock this beat as we jam
0: Listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Toddy T with Gangsta Boogie. And before that, an interview with, from Compton, California, Kendrick Lamar. Coming up right now to end the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, gonna play something by Kid Sensation from Seattle, Washington. Gonna play the tune Sea Town Ballers then going to follow that up with Criminal Nation from Tacoma, Washington, and going to play shout-outs, them doing some shout-outs, and then hopefully, if time allows, also going to try to sneak in a little bit of Dottie Walters Reveals The Seven Secrets of Selling to Women, The Seven Secrets of Selling to Women by Dottie Walters. Eighty percent of the nation's buying power is controlled by women. Right now, here's kid sensation with Sea Town Ballers on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Go back, go back.
3: Don't forget about me. Added to the star, all with the mic. And dangerous when he's in the mood to strike. Taking over radio all across the nation. Seattle's next rock star. Kids sensation. Living large, money to the ceiling. I don't need drugs to create this feeling. Skirts get slapped, suckers get torn. Shouting out game at girls to a bullhorn. Get played because they know me. Another day in the life of the EC.
6: Don't dong 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 Don't dong 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 Don't dong 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 dong
5: Don't dong 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 dong
6: dong 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 dong
3: Hey, yo, what's up, Pook Love? We in the house on this other track, yeah, you know MC what I'm saying? Def in the house. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Pook Love is in the house. You know, we, hey, hey yo, E, man, you remember that beat we kicked for, uh, I'm a criminal? Yo, drop that, man. Yeah, here we go. We got some shouts out to the homies around the country, you know what I'm saying? Hey, what's up to my nigga down? What in uh, yeah, what's up, uh, San Francisco, you know what I'm saying? We in the house. Walker B is in the house. Yo, all the homies in 415 and area code and everything. Everybody in Oakland is down. You know, I've been visiting down there for a little bit. Yo, what's up to DJ T in L.A.? Cold oh, kicking it. You know, what's up to DJ Quick? You know, from Compton. You know, he's in the house. You know what I'm saying? AMG. Word up and KK. What about the APG crew? You know, Day they have full the effect. House. Yeah. You know, all the college radio out there. You know what I'm saying? Or what about my homies back here in the 206 area code? The DCP. You know it's coming we like to say what's up to Magic Mike. That's straight off from DJ e. What about D-Wiz? You know Cookie Head, JK, D-Rob, Drake. You would like to say what's up to Mix-A-Lot, Attitude, Clebone, bone all the homies in EPA. You know what I'm saying. You know what's that East Palo Alto in the house. Yeah, you know yeah. what? What's up to proper Frisco kids. Homies down in the pen because he got Jack when we was down there. You know my fault, G. You <laughs> know what's up, everybody on the West Coast, Coast. You know what I'm saying? Everybody on the East Coast. You like to say what's up to side effects. DJ Premier, Keith E, you know what I'm saying? Don't forget Guru, homeboy. Oh, no, Guru, yeah, that's Keith E, though. And, you know, we like to say what's up to BET for playing a video. And artist Skill in Seattle, you know what I'm saying? Because 206 is in full effect, you know what I'm saying, Pook Love?
4: Yeah. That's what? all, folks. All right.
2: Two words in the title of this recording, Seven Secrets of Selling to Women, are usually considered as synonymous, women and secrets. The unusual feature is the fact that secrets are being revealed, but the author, Dorothy Walters, is an unusual woman. A few years ago, she and her husband with two small children faced an economic crisis. It was necessary to augment the family income. Dorothy, or Dottie as she's known to thousands of friends... ...met the situation by discovering within herself a tremendous talent... ...the ability to sell. Since that time, through cultivation of her talent... ...she's enjoyed dynamic success in the fields of advertising... ...sales training, writing, and lecturing. Surely, no other person, male or female... ...is more eminently qualified to reveal... ...the seven secrets of selling to women than Dottie Walters.
7: For centuries... Woman has been like the Sphinx of Egypt, an eternal mystery to men. Men have cursed her, loved her, enslaved her, worshipped her, but they've always been mystified by her. Now in our modern commercial world, men must try to sell her. Since today most men sell their products or services either directly or indirectly to women, the key to the mystery of why women act as they do is important to every sales organization. American big business is ardently pursuing the American woman customer. All sorts of specialists are being enlisted and millions spent in the quest for the enigmatic, glittering prize, the female buyer. And as if this were not hard enough, men must also sell women no matter where they go. In their homes, in their offices, and in the offices of their clients. Oftentimes, selling the wife of a prospect will turn the trick of closing a sale. The purpose of this recording is to unveil the Seven Secrets of Selling to All Women. You see, the fundamental difference in men's and women's sales techniques can be explained in this way. A man accosted by a fierce dog will say, nice dog, while he gropes around for a big rock as a weapon. But a woman, faced with the same problem, will call softly nice doggie, until the poor brute is convinced that he is an utterly charming dog. So in order to sell a woman, you must beat her at her own game. Ever since Eve sold Adam the apple, women have been the experts at persuasion. When you don't sell a woman, remember, she has sold you on no. The first mistake most men make in trying to sell women is that they endeavor to understand them. How frankly, women do not want to be understood. The mystery of women you protest so roundly is something we realize is essential to our charm. If you understood all the workings of our minds, we fear you'd love us much less. So the more you press to understand us, the more devious we become. Actually, Understanding is a woman's job. A man complains, my wife doesn't understand me and feels wronged because she does not. The truth is, she probably understands him all too well. So, let us women do the understanding while you men practice these seven secrets and we'll buy whatever you want to sell us with enthusiasm.
5: 2012 Grammy Award winners,
7: Tedeschi Trucks
5: Band
6: brings their blues-inspired show to the Vancouver Centre for Performing Arts for one night, June 19th. Tickets on sale at Ticketmaster.com.